one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. Hey, bus driver. The show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you found your show. Hey, bus driver. Exploring the entire school transportation universe. Talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Hey Bus Driver <laughs> podcast. I'm going to say it just like the Ohio State University, you know, because they... Those NFL players always emphasize that. On I, kn- their, I knew uh, it. I knew it would catch on. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's uh, it, it's important because Chad just wants it to be Hey Bus Driver, not the Hey Bus Driver podcast. <laughs> I think for uh, tagging and social media aspects, it has to be. It doesn't have to be that, but it's helpful in the hashtagging. Because if you just have Hey Bus Driver, then you say you hashtag HBD. There's happy birthday, and there's like millions of posts, and so your stuff just gets lost in that. Wait, so what is the what's the official name of the podcast? The Hey Bus Driver. It is the. Uh, no, it's no, hey it's bus not. Driver. It's, it's now, hey, it's, now it's now it's, it's Hey Bus Driver. Now it's, it's the Hey Bus Driver podcast. I reserve the right to change whatever I want to because it's my show. And welcome to the <laughs> Hey Bus Driver podcast, everybody. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's called Jason Records Guys and yeah and, and gals talking. It sounds it's weird not. when you say it like that. Yeah, Patrick, I don't know. All right. You can cut this whole thing and start that's over. Not, no, like, no, no, no. It's not a good title. It. It's funny. It's funny. <laughs> We're out here at. Uh, the twenty what what are twenty twenty three ASBO summer conference in Tucson. Is so. it the twenty twenty three or twenty twenty three ASBO? We're here at twenty twenty three. I think weren't you talking about grammar earlier today? <laughs> yes. We're at the twenty twenty three uh summer ASBO conference in Tucson. It's the seventieth. And yeah, conference. is it the seventieth? Seventieth. Yeah, I did see that. So um we're even well, we could probably talk a little bit about that, but I kind of want to recap on some maybe part two of TAA while it's still sort of fresh in our minds. Uh, we've got Chad back. Thank you, Chad, for being here. Uh, thank you for having me, Jason. So honored to be here again. I can't wait for your own podcast. It's God. like it's like nobody else shows up but Chad. It's gonna be it's gonna be called a Hust- hey a. One day hey, he's just going to be like, no, nah, dude, hey, I don't want to hey, do it anymore. Podcast. He's like, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm done with you. <laughs> it's fine. That's cool. I got my own called A Hey Bus the Driver very, Podcast. Yeah, the very first episode I did by myself, and I just talked, and it was so bad. But Oh, is it still up? <laughs> yeah, it's still up. Oh, I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> it's pretty horrible. Uh, and we invited Patrick from Flagstaff because I wanted to kind of get his take on um, we're just going to kind of, again, recap TAA and just the planning, I think, that went into it. I think a lot of people saw the YouTube video that the fire department um, finally got pulled together and put up. And if not, we'll share that in the upcoming post. Um, but, yeah, so we're here and just it is mid-July and it is hot. It is stupid hot. I don't know. Is, have you guys reached 100 in flag yet? Uh, you know, I I think uh, some individuals have said that their backyard weather stations hit 100, but not officially. I don't think. But, but high you know, 90s, that, high 90s, high 90s is is pretty warm for us. So yeah, especially because you, know, you guys don't have air conditioning in your buildings up there. <laughs> we do actually have air conditioning. Um, 
you know. Only the bougie people have air conditioning. The bougie conditioning people. That, or, you know, new buildings where you. Um, uh, yes. Be, it's just, they believe yeah. in it now. <laughs> they believe in air conditioning now. Um, yeah. So, okay. uh, you know, as, as far as school buildings go, the uh, the state did not used to support and maybe still doesn't support um air conditioning what like above 5000 feet in elevation oh, so wow. if you put air conditioning in it's it's there there's no chance of reimbursement from the state at least that's how i remember the conversation so interesting how the state works cuz like even you know when you talk about school buses it's required to have a heater spec on all school buses in the Absolutely. state but it's not a requirement to have air conditioning and then people are like, wow, that's amazing, because most of the people think about Phoenix and Tucson mm-hmm. and down here in the desert. But then you think about, you know, the people to the north where, yeah, air conditioning probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense. However. It makes sense. Oh, I believe it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And on I those just, 85 degree I feel like it's one of those AC. antiquated things because, like, wow. Uh, like, you know, as <laughs> working for a bus manufacturer bus dealer you know how hot it gets inside of those buses listen i came from the midwest where we hardly ever installed an ac didn't order one buses with it hardly ever had it and coming out here a different breed of people out there in the midwest well tougher yeah yeah much tougher yeah yeah. so here's the thing about the midwest is it's like it's it's you know two states in from the east so i I don't even know how that's midwest (laughs) what are you talking about you it's not say, even in the middle of the country. From Georgia it's not to even, Tennessee, and then you're in the Midwest. Yeah. So. And then what? The <laughs> second half of the country is the West. Uh, you know that's. I don't. I don't know. How does that see, work? How does that work? I mean, I'm talking. Okay. Yeah. I'm from the central uh, part of the United States, right. and that's where I bought and sold most of the buses. And you the just central call it the Midwest part of the United States. Still what else do they call it? It's still considered the Dust Bowl. I mean, it's the mid, and it's west of the Mississippi. Sure. Is that how they came up with Midwest? Uh, what would you call fr- it? You're from there. We call it. Well, that, I would call that, it Central, Central America. Central America. No. <laughs> mid, mid, middle America. We do not <laughs> call it Central America, <laughs> sir. <laughs> It's middle America. Oh, good times. But, yes, it is very hot down here. Uh, I think the Valley has been hitting like 117, 118 this last week or two. So, um, punishing. But hopefully it did rain down here yesterday. That was cool. Hey, speaking of. Rain? AC. Oh, AC. No. Um, I took our Green Power electric bus and demoed it last week. 113 degree day. And here's why I'm getting to the point here. There's four of us on and off, five of us on and off the bus, went out, took it for, you know, 10, 15 minute drive, came back, parked it, everyone looked at it, we sat there and we talked about it, I left. And it wasn't, you couldn't hang meat in there, you're not going to cool off your Coca-Cola in that bus, but it was comfortable. Considerably cooler. But here's why it's surprising, it has a 75,000 BTU system on it. Now the ones we have in the valley on the REs. 186,000 BTU roof mounted ducted yada yada. This is a 75,000 BTU ducted system. But here's why it works so well. It's a different type of compressor, different type of clutch. It doesn't run off the RPM of your engine. So when it kicks right. on, it's a 100, 100% RPM right now. All it electric. Going. Yeah. All electric AC system. Just amazing mm-hmm. the efficiency of a system. I don't know, almost a third of the size, a little less than half the size of the ones that we use now, and we're great. And that's a big bus. Yeah. 
then I was actually pretty surprised. I was nervous about taking over on one of the hottest days of the year. Like, man, I hope we don't sweat to death in this bus. <laughs> and I was pleasantly surprised by it. Now, it took a little bit to get it cooled off because it sat there for over a week and hadn't been driven in 115-degree days. But it was pretty impressive. Yeah. So Sounds something good. to think about moving forward electric buses that you don't necessarily need that 186,000 BTU system if you get the right compressors and all the electrical system. So Luke and I talked about could we put that electrical that electric compressor on our diesel buses? Just have a little generator running a motor. And and, and you know when you look at the the RV industry, their air conditioning systems are all electric based as opposed to running off the compressor on the system. You know, you fire up the AC, and you also fire up the compressor, or you're plugged into electric at a park. See, we just need like a Honda generator mounted in a luggage box. There you go. That's what happens when you run out of gas. You still have AC? Oh, you mean in the compressor? <laughs> yeah, no, in the generator. In the <laughs> generator. Um, I know. You I re- mean, I would well, think they could make it through a route. Sure. Typically, Jason, people refill it when they run out of gas. What if it's mid route and you have no AC? I don't. What if your AC goes out mid route? Do you stop and park the bus? Something goes out now. I'm out. I quit. Come get it. The kids yeah, are walking some home. Do. Some will literally say, "Bring me another bus." So I mean, yes, it's drop the windows. I I don't know. I mean, I remember riding the bus and not having AC on ours. And but it is interesting. Like, how do kids these these little babies? They need AC now. Yeah. Yeah. Poor little baby Jimmy. He's got to have AC. He never sweats in his bedroom when he's playing Xbox. He needs AC on that bus. <laughs> little Susan, God forbid she sweat and get her little Barbie dress wet. They need AC. Yeah. Well, These kids are I soft. Mean, I, maybe one day it will become a requirement in this state. You I may tell you an AC story. Oh, Christ. Here we go. I thought we already heard one. <laughs> We're, you're going to hear another one, Patrick. Buckle in. So Jackson moved here two years ago from Oklahoma. Small town Oklahoma didn't ride a bus out there because he lived three blocks from the school, which was three blocks from the other end of town as well. So he comes out here, gets on the bus, first year he's riding, and he's like, hey, he goes, what's the, the thing above me? I said, the, the AC vents? He's like, yeah, he goes, it keeps dripping water on me. I said, then move. He goes, we can't. I said, why can't you move? He goes, we have assigned seats. I'm like, dude, move if it's dripping water. He's like, I can't. We have assigned seats. He says, the bus full? He's like, no. I said, then pick a different seat. We have assigned seats, Dad. I'm like, dude, you you got to, you know, you're going to be okay. He's like, well, the worst part is every time we stop at a bus stop and they start to take off, it sprays water on me. I said, then move. We can't. So fast forward a couple of weeks. He calls me from the bus. He says, hey, Dad, good news. The AC's not dripping water on me anymore. I said, cool. Oh, I told him. I said, when you get off, I said, go tell the bus driver that your drip pan drain's probably clogged up because the condensation is dripping on me she'll probably wonder who the hell this kid is yep. fast forward two weeks calls hey hey it's not dripping water on me and i said oh great they must have you know cleared out whatever was clogging up he goes no now it's just not working that's just really hot <laughs> <laughs> so then, he, then fast forward another week or two he comes in i got home went in the office he comes in off the bus and i'm like hey how'd school he goes hey hold on a second he runs over and grabs a piece of paper and he writes down the information he hands it to me he goes hey could you have them look at the ac on that bus because it's one of my school districts he goes could you have them look at the ac on that bus it's still not working so i screenshot i took a picture and sent it to the director and said hey my kids are really concerned about the ac on that bus he goes let me see what i can do 
They're probably thinking you're a bougie parent. Yeah. Well, so the next time I saw him, he goes, hey, I had him ask him to look at it because I was really concerned about your son because he seemed like he really couldn't handle the heat. You know, being from Oklahoma, he's not acclimated to this heat, and I was really concerned about how weak he is. And I said, well, <laughs> I think it's he hardly, ever, he hardly ever rides the bus. I think it was more of a, hey, guys, look, I got your AC fixed. Yeah. I think yeah. that I think that was his yeah. angle. So anyway, I'm done with ACs. You can move For on. now. You can move on now. The, this segment brought to you by yeah. RWC Group. <laughs> and Thermo King. <laughs> Touche. What a plug. I love it. So, yeah, we. Um, I, I really just wanted to kind of use this episode to talk about kind of how that whole bus accident um, simulation got set up and uh, it really was like a two, kind of a two-year plan. I think that I was still at my previous district or my previous employer, I should say, where uh, we I had seen this post from a lady in uh, Georgia, kind of like suburbs of Atlanta, I think, that they had kind of done the same. So the, the Midwest? Same, no, 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 no. Is that the Midwest? I call that the South, I think, right? I think it's that's southeast. I think it's still the South. That's yeah. Southeast, right? <clears throat> no, I think. Anyway, go ahead. That's very anyway. Georgia. Georgia. Yes. So they uh, had done the same thing. She had posted a, a video up on her LinkedIn, and they were showing the bus getting turned over. And I was like, "Hey, what a cool, you know, what a cool idea." I don't yeah. even know if they went to the. I don't think theirs went to the extent that we did. Um, but I reached out to them and just kind of got some details, like talk to me about this. How did you get it off the ground? And, you know, kind of what was the thought process behind it? So we were going to try and run this through TAA two years ago. And we just, you know, we're like, if we're going to do this right, we're going to do it right. So, um, at that time we had Flagstaff and kind of already involved. I wanted to get Patrick on board with his people. Um, I think his previous assistant superintendent who's since retired wasn't, you know, kind of just saying like, Hey, is this even something you know, feasible. Do you guys have the facility? Could, you know, they talked to, we were trying to figure out, do we have a bus available, right? If Flagstaff couldn't, was there maybe another district up there that wanted to donate one or would we need to get the vendors on board to see if they could trailer one up for us and see what that looks like. So kind of fast forward um, about another year and a half and we went out to Kingman where they actually, their regional medical center, so their hospital, were trying to they wanted to drill their response of the hospital and kind of all the rest of the emergency um, response units to how would they you know handle catastrophic catastrophic situation like that right so we got the invite from the director of transportation up there to come and check it out we go up there and that's where we saw the bus and they i mean they went all out they they originally had got a BMW SUV um, provided for them as what the you know the second vehicle would be in the accident, and they were just going to roll the bus on top of the car to kind of like you know to smash the front end. Mm. Well, they were having like such an issue with it because apparently the like how the st- the structural soundness of a BMW is created, they cannot smash the vehicle. So. <laughs> They picked it back up and pulled it out, and that's where they cut, kind of cut the hole in to, you know, simulate that. And I think it's an actual safer situation because they were actually putting kids into the bus for theirs. Um, but quite the scene to watch, um, you know, their fire departments. And actually, in their simulation, 
they were I'm pretty sure they were all on duty crews. They did not know that they were going to be simulating this event. So the call the live call that we heard that went out was a live call. They thought that that was, wow. you know, when this so when they come in responding, they finally see and like understand that it's a drill, but that initial rush and you know, their response was all being drilled and timed on, you know, hey, this is not kind of a a drill thing, you know. So were the kids on the bus both times they tried to smash that BMW? No, no. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> While they tried out. to smash it? <laughs> no. But it was... Kids are going to try one more time. Everybody okay? Get back in your yeah, seats. <laughs> it is interesting, though, if you're coming back from, like, say, Vegas and you're passing their Kingman Yard, it, at least in April when we passed it coming back from Laughlin, you could see the bus and the car still sitting there from the highway, which was pretty interesting. But um, they may be using it more for, you know, additional training purposes going forward not really sure but it was it was cool because they actually i think they transported kids from the scene to the hospital and they transported kids from the scene in a helicopter to the hospital um so they then there was like a whole triage system that went on in the hospital itself where they were drilling nurses and doctors and so on and so forth so i mean it was like a like i said a big thing that that Kingman put on, which was helpful for the team that kind of put it together to really start to like, we got some pictures and we really got some outline to like, Hey, this is what it should look like and feel like, because before that we didn't really have like a, I think we had some ideas, right, sure. Patrick, yeah. of, yeah. of kind of what we thought it should look like, but we didn't really have somebody that was really coming together to like, funnel it in and i don't know i mean maybe you guys were thinking like this was a pipe dream from the get-go i don't really know what you know your your people were thinking but you know pre um drill um it kind of felt a little bit like we were you know we'd move forward a bit and then things seemed like they were rolling and then they kind of stalled and then they kind of seemed like they were rolling and and i want to say um originally we were talking about doing it a year ago um, and it just didn't quite come into play, you know, all the pieces weren't, weren't quite there at that point. Um, so it did take us a, you know, year and a half, two years to put it together. And that's probably, it probably made it a better event though. I agree um, with that. Because we did have a lot more, you know, time up front and, you know, I know that you and the rest of the TAA, uh, board put in a lot of work that i didn't even ever see because you guys were meeting with flag fire and all of that so um i i know some of their perspective you know they, they've got the was it chief calendar i guess yep. who, who's uh really really more on board with a lot more training a lot more hands-on kind of stuff and you know maybe it's just kind of a, a different thought process of what he wants to see as far as you know his crews and, and how yeah, they can it definitely respond. sounded like it was it was a position that they had that maybe got vacated for quite some time and then finally got refilled. And so maybe it was just how it was meant to be, right? Yeah. Just as far as, like, the event as a whole and just kind of how stars, quote, aligned. And, sure, yeah. Um, you know, but having – it was we were very fortunate to have them really buy into – the the belief in what we were trying to do and put together and they were very jazzed and excited to to come out and you know you heard the guys um when we interviewed them talking about you know how excited they were to use their what they call them 
uh, cutters and spreaders. Yeah, cutters and spreaders. <laughs> cutters and spreaders. Same name. The, yeah, the the jaws, the jaws of life. Jaws of life. Let's cutters stick and spreaders. With the real name. Well, yeah. and and you know from from another perspective, as you're looking back at it and and looking at the kinds of tools that they would normally expect to be able to use. You sure. know, they they've got that diamond saw that. Uh, you know, the gas powered and the, they're there with yeah. the battery operated DeWalt sawzall yeah. and they're yeah. just taking it's, out of the bus. Yeah, like so sawzall was the hero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and they, uh, you know, they expected to be able to just walk up to it and, and cut the roof with with you know that diamond yeah. blade, and it it really was not up to the task. So, yeah. you know, those are those are kind of things you can learn, and you if you learn it in a drill, uh, and you show up to a scene like that. You know, you know a lot better. Yeah, I say how much more you know. impactful is it knowing that you're saving time, precious minutes when it's talking about saving a life, that you can go in with this tool versus this tool and you're, you know, able to do that. So, I, I mean, I feel, I guess, you know, um, kind of very accomplished in that we were able to give them an opportunity to train. I think ever, I heard nothing but good things from the people that, you know, watched it. I've actually had a district reach out to me just the last couple of days. They have felt inspired enough that they want to do their own with one of their fire departments, you know, within their district. So potentially, you know, this might be something that, you know, is not necessarily taking off, but more and more people are going to be like, Hey, we've got a super old bus rather than donated for EV purposes. Let's maybe, hey, uh, <laughs> hey now. well, so, I mean, when we talk about donating for EV, all you, you know, if it's the right age it doesn't and all, matter, all right? that, it's, it's cut up and, you know, I mean, for, <laughs> For for those grants, for those you, you basically have to take them take them out of service. You got to cut a hole in the side of the engine. And, yeah, well, we'll cut a hole and, in the side and, of the <laughs> and and cut a hole in the you know cut the frame so it's no longer usable. You sure. know, so it could meet those purposes, and yeah. that donation could still happen. You know that 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 destruction of the vehicle could still happen. And you can right. actually serve two purposes. You yeah. know, there, there's kind of a higher purpose here where you're looking at you know saving lives from that perspective of. What what happens when you show up to a vehicle that is in this condition? Um, That's what I like about you, Patrick. You always bring the common sense. <laughs> I like that. You always bring like. That, you set us straight. You know, I that, appreciate and, that. And, and that's why I'm only on like once a year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've been. It's like your second or third time this year. Yeah. So. But yeah, I think. I mean, there was there was a ton. You're right that went into it that you guys didn't see that. Um, you know, we worked behind the scenes to make sure that it was safe for everybody. That, you know, what was the what were the outcomes that we wanted to get out of it? I think in a typical active shooter type drill, or you know, a bus or a school like a school evacuation, those types of things. When you're you know, when a entity's drilling at that level, they have some outcomes that they want to see, and I think that it's a little bit different when you're enacting like we were just focused mainly on the transportation aspect, right? Mm -hmm. We didn't get, obviously we had some, some other flag employees that were there to observe and, you know, kind of just witness the event. But, you know, if we really wanted to go step further, potentially we could have had your emergency management team that's responding and, you know, kind of like, what does that look like? Maybe parents involved. And we, we talked about this in the last in the last episode, I think if I was to do it again, I would almost have just as like almost like the time that you were showing up on scene, like that delayed kind mm -hmm. of whatever, maybe behind you have three or four or five, six parents, like parents. Who are and trying to take their that, students off yeah, the who scene. Are just, or yeah. just rushing the bus, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. just trying like frantically trying to freak out because I think that was one of the things that one of the 
um, firefighters had said, like, if I was a parent I and I knew that this was going on, he's, you know, he's a trained professional. Yep. Potentially, he'd want to go there and see how he could lend a hand, right? Again, it would would have, you know, see how DPS would have helped do some crowd control or see if the, some of the other fire guys would have been having to be responsible for, you know, removing those people mm-hmm. out of the way so that they could do it and just kind of elevate tensions a little bit if you will that probably would have been something that i would have maybe going in the future or maybe as i you know work with this other district potentially to say hey have have these people here that respond later as if the parents are showing up to it and i'm sure um you know every district every director has had the experience of you know there's a bus with a, a fender bender and you know these things are built so that they can they can take a beating and everybody on the bus is safe you know they're Typically, they're kind of those strain-type injuries. Um, but you show up to a scene, and you're waiting for, you know, PD to fill out a, a report. And when there's no injuries, it takes them longer to do the report, right? And so you end up with, you know, 20 parents who want to take their kids off the bus because, you know, one, they don't want to wait the extra 20 minutes or 30 minutes it's going to take for that report to get finished. Two, they, you know, they feel like they're safer in a car, even though, you know, statistics show they're safer on that bus sure. and they're even safer staying on that bus. But, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the thing that is typical in any kind of, of response to that is you've got kids who are, you know, I, I've, I've heard the joke that, you know, they're live streaming the accident as it happens <laughs> and, yeah. and the yeah. parents are there uh, before, you know, before wrong. anybody else, you know. They're there before the drivers had a chance to, you know, to and notify the district. And we had talked about that on Monday, like, mm-hmm. as part of post-accident procedures, right? Kids are literally airdropping their location to their mm-hmm. parents from their phone and saying, hey, this is where I'm at. Come get me. And yep. they don't understand there is a process before you can just come get your student or move them off the bus. So, And law enforcement, um, you know, one of the... One of the things that I experienced when, you know, I was acting in that role as director and arriving at the scene is, um, you know, DPS has a very particular way of talking about things. Um, You know, when your local police department shows up, they don't necessarily use the same language. Uh, No. A lot of times they're like, why am I here? Yeah. Yeah. That's truly. What if, what if, what if on each bus there was like a packet, like an, for an accident, right? An accident packet or whatever you want to call it. So there should be. Can I finish? Yes. Can I finish where I'm going with this? Please. Are you sure it's okay if I. Are we going to kiss right now? (laughs) (laughs) Got you. God, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) So, but. Like with a sheet that has the steps, right? These are the steps we have to go through for someone to stand out there and hand it to the parents and say, these are the steps we have to go through. This is where mm-hmm. we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Like, is is that on the bus, Jason? There could be, I would say. On the so bus no. isn't. Typically, I would say, you know, there's, you're putting a lot of pressure on a bus driver from that aspect. Well, you can of, hand it to the DPS officer. They can oh, hand it oh, to the sure. parents. I mean, but that's assuming, again, I've responded to several accidents where I was 25 minutes away and still got there before a police officer got there. Mm-hmm. So typically the way that I've seen at least urban, look, like urban accidents, fire department's pretty quick to roll up. They get there. They start working with, you know, the bus driver trying to figure out the situation. If it's with close enough within the district and I can basically get there about the same time that they are, then I'm going and saying, hey, this is who I am. I'm letting them know that I, you know, 
this is our policy or procedure. I had said to at one point, like, we should have a standard handout that says uh, this is taking credit. I'm for not it taking now. credit because I never we never made it. But I agree that it's a good idea. to. Oh, I thought of that before, whatever. Chad. Okay. Anyway, go ahead sure. with your nope. imaginary nope, sheet done. that you thought of. I'm done. But, you know, I, I mean, uh, <laughs> buses do we do have an accident pack and it does have. You know, each district's procedures in it, or at least our district does. It has our district procedures in it. and um, But it's not something that we necessarily turn around and hand to a parent as they show up. Kind it of could thing. honestly go but out yeah. like a school message, like a, like a dialer to parents or something like that. Hey, your student's been involved in a minor accident. Unfortunately, we, you know, we will give you more information. Please do not go to the scene of the accident until we, you know. Well, yeah, because as a parent, like if I got, if I got your, you know, your bus lake has been an accident, I'm going to go. But if I also get the information that here are the steps that we have to follow, we're required mm-hmm. to follow, and this is, you know, this is where we're at at this time, whatever. Hey, we're at step 10. Oh, now I can go because they're about done. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, sure. or I can be sitting in my car going, well, okay, they're about done. Because I think the biggest thing for a parent in an accident like that with, with a kid involved is the unknown. Sure. What's going on? Why are they still there? Why can't he, I can see? Well, there's, a, there's this. a ton of unknown. I mean, like even in the after classes that we had on Tuesday after the event, when Sergeant Lunt was talking about, you know, he was going through some of the accident scenarios that they get calls on. And one of them was, you know, a student had been hit by a bus and was pinned or was trapped under the car. Well, then he shows a photo of it. And what really wasn't what it sounded like as the call came in. And so I think where I'm going with this is that if you get, as a parent, you get a phone call, hey, my, your student's been involved in a, a bus accident, or we would typically say a minor minor bus incident or something along those lines, right? To really try and make it like this wasn't that big of a deal. Minimize, Please yeah. do not go out there. Well, um, and you, you know, th- this kind of goes back to um, some of what you talked about in the last episode where you know, Cruz was talking about pulling his you know, attendance list. And so, you know, that's that's kind of this bigger thing is, number one, the students need to have their IDs. And, and you know, in that after action that we were discussing, I was talking with my school safety officers. And, you know, we, we agree. Students need to have their ID on them from the time they get on the bus till the time they get off the bus to go home. The school needs to know who they are. They need to know that the student belongs on campus. This is a, this is an ongoing conversation, and it's not just about school buses, but the school bus does have that scanner where a student scans on and they scan off. And if you don't have the buy-in from the parents and the school and the, the students and the driver, you know, you have to have this buy-in from, you know, 12,000 people in a yeah. district, you know, the, the size of mine. you got to have 12,000 people who are committed to doing it. And I, I just as you're saying that I'm trying to th- I was trying to think like I feel a lot of people have it or they have access to it. Mm-hmm. And when I say it, I mean student ridership or scanning, you know, technology. But there's if from what I can recall, I only could I could probably only think of less than 10 that actually do it well. Mm-hmm. Right. Where the district really buys into it. They believe in it. I've heard probably more that have implemented it and then they, you know, after a year and a half, maybe they have some district leadership changes or something along those lines and they lose the buy-in and then it just goes by the wayside, right? And so it's like, here, you've you've done all this, but for people like you and Josh and, you know, Shannon, the, you know, Cruz, I think, is getting ready to do it. Um, they, 
they're bought into it. Their districts are bought into it. Josh, I think, is one of the pioneers, you know, out there in his district that have been, I mean, he's the poster child to me, at least in our state. I don't if not the country Mm -hmm. of how well it works. His community buys into it. His, you know, his kids do it. His drivers believe in it. Everybody from the get go, you know, all the way transportation to the community are 100 percent bought into it. And so. That's what makes it successful. If you don't have it, then like you said, it doesn't. It just doesn't work. And and you know, on several different levels, you talk about, you know, sending out a communication to, you know, hey, your student's bus was involved in a minor accident. Well, I could have a hundred students assigned to that route, but if I don't have anybody who's you know, swiped in and and actually on attendance, I'm gonna send a hundred messages. Yeah, you know, I did. I had families. that. We had a we had a school that had locked down for a, um, I don't know, it was like a just a police situation in the area. It wasn't school related, but the school had locked down because of it. This was like an afternoon in the like the first week of school that I remember, and they were we were trying to pull bus rosters so that we could send the dialer out to parents. Mm-hmm. And there were like 60 or 70 kids loaded to the bus, but only 20 that we knew rode. But we right. didn't know exactly the 20 that rode. Right. So we're pumping a dialer out to the entire bus, and then we're getting people that are calling back going, my kid doesn't ride the bus. They've never ridden the bus. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, those are the things that just you know just explicitly show how poor routing can be when you're just adding everybody that's eligible to the bus. Mm-hmm. Instead of going and putting the actuals and having some sort of a sign-up process or, a, you know, everybody gets a student badge and maybe, you know, at some point you have a survey that goes out to parents and says, my kid will never ride the bus. It should, in my opinion, be at registration. I think you guys are doing that. We, we are doing that. Yeah. Um, we ran into a couple of glitches this week when they switched it over, but um, they switched the years over. But uh, we're really working to get that data to be really clean so that... You know, we transport about a third of our student population um, based on our numbers, you know, our our, our, our annual reports. Um, so if we know that one third or slightly more than one third that's going to want to use the bus and we can go based on that, that's who's assigned to the bus, it cleans it up a lot. Um, you know, it, it comes into play on a lot of other things, but... Um, you know, kind of this this bigger conversation about you know student wearing uh, an ID badge during the school day on the bus, things like that is, you know, you show up to a bus and there's students unconscious and you don't know who they are. If they don't have an ID on them, you really can't say this is Johnny, this is Susie, this is Jimmy. Uh, you know, and be able to really identify those students. Um, you know, if they are wearing those IDs all day long. It's it's really a lot easier to know who that student is, to identify who that student is, and have more clear communication with the parents. They can know, you know, Johnny went to this hospital, Susie went to that hospital. In some places, you know, in Flagstaff, they're all going to go to the same hospital sure. unless they're, you know, airlifted out to, you know, down I to the valley or something. Ch- Chandler has one main one. I'm trying to think of, like, you know, Central Phoenix where it might be multiples that are – Depending on the severity of the accident, right? Mm-hmm. But even the ID comes in handy with kinders and first graders that don't Absolutely. know their last name. Or Absolutely. Their first, you know, just so on and so forth. I just want to point out probably what the listeners are thinking right now. Why are we talking about this? No, oh. no hard feelings here. 
It's like every time Patrick's on, this turns into a Synovia podcast. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> but it's, I, it's, it just I, like I, I didn't say Synovia one <laughs> time. We knew, we, say, we, you said Synovia. We knew based on past podcasts what you were talking about. I didn't about. say Synovia one time. Well, we, I we, said, we know where you're going with but this. I, but I <laughs> okay. think it's, it's, it's important because it's where we're, we're still, so, in my opinion, still so far behind in transportation where like these are things that should just be common, right? Mm-hmm. Or common. So, like, so, to, so common. to sum it up, it's important that schools buy into this because of like the accident simulation we had sure. mm-hmm. to know exactly which kids are on that bus. Look at you right. centering this show. Yes. I appreciate you being the anchor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. always solid. Always the anchor. <laughs> you know, an, another thing that kind of came out in the conversation, and maybe it was, some of it was side conversation that that I was having with my. Um, school safety officers um, was uh, that we, you know, we do these active shooter drills. Um, we don't really do the drills on, you know, we got all these propane buses, you know, we really need to have fire department, police department out there to understand, go through the bus. W- what kind of bus did you get? What's the fuel type? You know, how do you shut the fuel off? Those kinds of things. We've been talking about it for the electric vehicles, but not the rest. Yeah, but we haven't really been doing it for the rest. Um, you know, and hey, you know, let's face it, diesel has been around a long time. Unlead has been around a long time. But you know, have we really even walked through those? Sure. Or do we just kind of assume that a vehicle is a vehicle to them when they show up? Well, and up? I think it was a testament to the to the community as a whole, right? Flagstaff Fire really being interested to want to understand how all of those things work right and i i really got i mean talking to those guys was like they were 100 percent bought in yeah whatever you could give them they were willing to take it mm-hmm. and um so i'm i'm glad that you know you guys are having kind of that after action and i i'm glad that you brought it up because i kind of want to ask about it. like what what was the process or what's been the process either at the event or kind of leading up to the event on your end and then kind of coming out of it, you've, you know, talking to the, the guys that you're working with or your supervisors or the superintendent, like does, does the governing board know that this, you know, that this happened? Did they, did they get to, you know, kind of see and feel like what, what happened and kind of take a sense of, you know, sense of pride in their community. Like, Hey, we were a part of something pretty cool. Yeah. As far as the governing board, um, you know, we, we've had those conversations more on a limited basis, <clears throat> really with just the, uh, you know, the existing staff. But um, <clears throat> and that is one of those things that we um, really would like to do a presentation to the board, put some together some of the video. There's a lot of video that's out there that's not been cut together yet. Yeah. Um, and, and just have that presentation, have some of the participants who, you know, acted as the, uh, as the victims on board um, and, and just kind of show from our perspective, you know, the types of things that we're doing in order to, I mean, this is a showcase, right? This was, people came from all over the state to see this. And, you know, there even more people may have showed up to that conference than normally do because we did such a big event. Um, And that's that's definitely something that that we want to be able to um, showcase to the board and be able to do that. 
of course, those meetings start at 5.30, you know, <laughs> and, and when you're at work at 5.30 in the morning and yeah. starting at 5.30 in the evening, it's starting to... Maybe they can put you... Usually, uh, celebrations are typically at the beginning. Yeah, right? so. yeah. So, that, you know, that's that's one of those things that, that we would like to put together and be able to bring in some people who participated sure. and, you know, and not necessarily everybody, but at least a few of the ones that have participated and, um, you know, and, and if they wanted to ask questions about how people felt about being part of that, then, you know, that's kind of that time to do that. Um, you know, transportation is one of those departments in a district that's sort of invisible till it's not, you know. Um, and so if we can make some positive visibility, then that's, you know, that that's kind of a goal for us as sure. well. So as far as like your kind of what have been the meetings or the discussions kind of happening since then, like did, did your, your safety security guys reach out to you and say, hey, we'd like to kind of have some formal discussions about some just ongoing either after action or training that we'd like to continue discuss discussions on? Um, you know, over the summer, uh, meetings don't quite get on the calendar as, as much as we'd like them to, as sure. not as consistently. Um, the conversations we did have were um, – Mostly side conversations are mostly around the uh, the after action event itself uh, or the after action of the event itself. So, you know, we, we were having those conversations during the, the conference. Um, it's a matter of setting aside some of that time so that we can, you know, have those discussions and, and you know, see what else they want to look at, you know. Um, in Flagstaff, the uh, Flag PD regularly does um, SWAT type trainings, um, utilizing school buses. So they actually borrow buses, a bus from us and a bus from the um, the transit, the the local transit agency, and they keep them for a day and they run drills on them. And at the end of the day, we go pick them up, but we don't really discuss anything about them, you know. So um, that may be a, a time to just make that a little bit more of a partnership where we're actually, sure. you know, discussing and going over and I really wanted them to be there. And I, they just, I guess they were too short staff that they couldn't cough any resources up, but it just seemed like that would have been also a good opportunity for them. Sure. Right. And it was nice to see that it wasn't just flag fire. It was also your, the rural guys. The or, summit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Summit fire that was out there and which I thought was, you know, cool to, again, an experience to watch them all work together because they normally work together, right? So they do, like you right? work together, you drill together, you work together. And I think that's, you know, just watching them, it, seemed, it felt real. It felt that they were out, even though we knew that it was simulated and, and being able to be down there, like recording <clears> and watching all of it happen, it felt very like, we're in the mid, you know, mm -hmm. the midst of it, and they're just going to work. Just well, going and they made a good point on the podcast when we were talking, interviewing them. They made the point that Chief Calendar kept all, a lot of the information on the, you know, quiet. Mm -hmm. Didn't let, didn't share with them really what they were going into, what yeah. to expect. So that probably helped, you know, with the reality of it. You know, to be more of a real, real time, actual reaction. type yep. drill. You know, because they didn't know. Listen, the bus gonna be outside. You have four people inside. Like they didn't know this information, yeah. so that was uh, that was pretty interesting too. That he kept it from those guys, so yeah. they wouldn't know what to expect when they got there. So very cool. And and when you talk about those uh, fire agencies working together, there's um, they do have an agreement where they can each assist. So 
um, even though Summit is outside city limits and Flag Fire is within city limits, um, they do have agreements in place where they can, you know, assist and pull from uh, either from the city to go into the county and the county to go into the city. So knowing that and seeing how that they work together, that, you know, that's kind of reassuring, you yeah. know, when you look at that. Did your staff that both participated in being in the bus or part of the drill, but also the people that were there to just be in the, like, in the stands, did they, I mean, kind of have any thoughts or anything after, kind of after things were over? Um, you know, we we had feedback, and, and a lot of the feedback we've gotten so far has kind of been, you know, on the individual perspectives of, you know, what it was like to participate in it, what it was like to be, um, I, I think we had one of our drivers who uh, was acting like a, um, like he was wedged in or something, and and uh, I, he's I, the la I, he yeah. was the last one I think, and, and, he was and like I think he did such a good job that they were like, okay, you got to help us out a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is only a drill. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, got a little feedback on that. You know, um, we had other people who were. You know, everybody's kind of triage. They've got a, a tag on them on, you know, what's wrong with them, things like that. And uh, we had uh, one guy who kept trying to get up and, you know, like wander off because he had a head injury and was, you know, confused, dazed and confused. And he really played that really well, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, like like I said, for, for me being on the ground like that and, and showing up and showing up after everybody else because that's kind of how they wanted to play it you know and, and stage it is just yeah. have, have me show up uh after um that is how it happens sometimes is you know you're not the first person there and and in that situation you know when we talk about this whole incident command structure you know the driver if they're conscious is the incident commander until somebody else comes and shows up and takes that over you know um and if I show up and every somebody else is there, that's you know basically higher authority. I'm not the incident commander. I'm a, you know I'm a liaison at that point. Yeah. You know? um, and then uh, just thinking about it from the outside looking in is okay. Who's the person I'm supposed to go talk to? Who is actually in charge here? You know, um, they talked about the white the, helmet. The white helmet. I'm, looking <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm looking around. There's no white helmet. Yeah, there's a guy sitting in a white, you know, SUV, red right? Um, well, the red helmet's next. And, you know, when I, when I, you know, sought him out and said, you know, okay, who's the incident commander? He's like, it's not me. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, he did point me to where I needed to, to be. But, you know, that's kind of one of those things that if you don't have those conversations in advance, you don't really know who you're looking for. You know, unless you've had some kind of incident that rises to that level, you know, um, I don't think I've had an incident that rose to that particular level uh, in, in such a way that you have to go find out who's in charge. But I almost think it's interesting that like that the conversations don't happen within the community or that the like the city municipalities, maybe they do in some areas, but that they that they aren't reaching out or thinking of like. Hey, this is an annual conversation that we need to get in front of the, you know, incident command team at every district for a couple hours just mm -hmm. to run through and see if there's any changes at the district level or maybe there's some changes in procedures at this, you know, at the at the their their level, right? Fire police and just like again, we're we're all part of a community. We should all be working together and I think it's just they don't they don't think about those things or maybe it's 
They don't want to be a part of it until it's time to, you know, time to be called on or time to go. Well, I know some of the conversations have ha- been had around, say, you know, the whole incident command structure and that um, have really been about what does an incident command look like? What are the different roles? Uh, and then who's the incident commander? And, you know, can somebody else take over incident command kind of. Um, but not really like, at least in my personal experience, um, I, I haven't seen that, uh, you know, where you gather the people who typically are on that incident command team uh, and say, okay, here are all the potential players. You know, you've got an incident command structure and you've got, you know, your incident commander and your backup incident commander and your logistics and your, you know, your, your purchasing or finance piece and your transportation piece and your PIO piece. Um, if that's occurring, it's not necessarily for my district. And I'm just going to speak for my district. Um, it's, it's not always, you know, transparent who is having those meetings if they're happening. Right. I've, I've been in, you know, training sessions where the County comes out, you know, the, the emergency managers come out and they have talked about the structure in the past, but not really put, you know, names to the lines, so to speak, you know, um, I think it changes a lot too, unfortunately. Yeah. And you know, it could change, you know, if it's a Monday or a Tuesday, you know, a lot, a lot of times (laughs) things do change, you know, just depends on who's on duty and all of those kinds of things. Um, and we have, you know, Flagstaff's kind of unique in some ways, you know, um, and, and in some ways not so unique. Um, you know, we, we have, you know right now it's flood season right so we um we have some of those meetings ahead of time you know um based on uh our fires that we've had you know what kind of floods are we expecting where do we expect things to flood who's on that notification list um you know and that's kind of the uh, this conversation that happens you know typically july or so you know last year and we talk about the student list i'm going to go back to you know who's on the bus Last year, first day of school, we had the road flooded, and we had to, you know, determine how we're getting students home, you know, because we didn't know when the highway was going to open up, and we got students got to go to Cameron, you know, so we ended up actually transporting students through the Grand Canyon because the decision was made to essentially commit to that instead of wait to see how long that it was going to take for the road to open. Sure, but you know, but and. There's, there's kind of, you know, we've got those drills that we have within our districts and um, kind of those, you know, emergency plans. Where's somebody going to go when this road's closed or where are they going to go when there's a fire <laughs> in that, you know, that part of the road? And it's kind of something that we have a lot of that experience with. Um, yeah. And if, if we had that uh, that other piece, you know, that student contact, instead of having to write those names down – it's not an emergency, but we want to make a contact, you know. Um, but again, going going back to that student list, that that writership piece is is really key, and that's that's definitely one of those things. That's one of the takeaways from this incident, um, this training, um, and that's one of the takeaways that we've we've had all year long. Sure. To be fair. Yeah, and I think that, going- that segment brought to you by Synovia and the Arizona <laughs> Travel Agency. Visit the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Wow, that's perfect. 
this is the great. You always thing. wanted to break these up into like smaller segments or have like a, a piece <laughs> brought to you by. So perfect. I love the plugs. <laughs> um, but going back to like the 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 city municipalities or the county municipalities working or reaching out or or however the communication works. I'm just thinking where I came from. We had four fire departments that mm-hmm. could have responded to. You know, we had Phoenix. Chandler, Tempe, and even the town of Guadalupe had their own fire sure. department. So depending on where we were at, and again, you know, just like they do up there in Flag, where they could, you know, depending on who could respond, we had the, the town of Guadalupe fire department would respond into incidents in the Tempe just because mm-hmm. maybe the Tempe guys were were booked up. But my point, going back to Chad's piece of like, hey, there should be some sort of mm-hmm. a form that says here's our procedures blah 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 here's our point of contact right just it simplifies that communication to say you know i i can remember several times where the like the fire guys would be like why are we out here right well that was just our district procedure that yeah. any time that kids were on board and a bus was involved in any type of you know it could have hit a hit a sign or something and been a scratch in the paint but we're still having because people were on board, we're still going to call them out, right? So, hey, sir, I'm sorry I'm interrupting your nap or your lunchtime, but we need you to come out here and run through these, you know, run through these kids. So I just think that maybe the education from something like this could help mm-hmm. start to foster better conversations between districts and, you know, the city entities to, to have those conversations. What are your, you know, I don't know, do do police officers get a, you know, a site map of is there somewhere where the district has to, you know, provide the city with here's all of our floor plans of our, our school layouts so that way in the event of a, you know, active shooter or something like that, that they've got to, you know, they have an idea of when they're responding to the scene, like this is how the layout of the campus is and so on and so forth. Or do they just barge in there and go? I would imagine there's something like that. No, yeah, they they do. Um, I don't know to what extent, but they, they do have uh, a lot of that information. Yeah. Um, and probably more way at the, like, command level of things. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it just seems like, and again, maybe the lower level guys don't need it, but, but maybe they do need it because they're the ones responding. Mm-hmm. So I just think that maybe that just, it goes back to training. It goes back to a lot of that stuff, but. What were that that segment brought to you by Chad's incident information sheets? Uh, I'm surprised you get them on Amazon, Kmart, <laughs> and your local Walgreens. Terrible. Um, Patrick, I do want to ask, like, what your kind of what your thoughts were as you you know came on scene and you know kind of were working and being involved in your in your role of transportation director, responding to something like that and kind of participating in that. What were kind of your thoughts as you're both active in the drill but also reflecting on like what if this was a real situation and how would I you know what are my takeaways for me myself as a as the leader of the department yeah so you know a couple things anytime you roll up on a a, a scene you kind of want to you know if the first thing is you're looking to see what looks safe, you know, what doesn't look safe, where you even want to park, you know, am I going to park? Am I going to be in the way of somebody, um, you know, in, in this particular instance, you know, the, all the vehicles were actually in place, but, you know, there's water lines laid out across the, the parking lot and that kind of thing. So, you know, the, the first thing is kind of one, what does that scene look like coming into it? Um, and where can I safely park my vehicle? Right. 
Not on the water hose. Not water on the water hose. Uh, probably don't want to do that. Um, you know, and then uh, because it was so spread out, you know, it, typically in a typical scene, I'm going to come up to the bus. You know, there aren't going to be any injuries. I'm going to talk to the driver um, and or, you know, uh, whoever happens to be in charge. It's, it's you know, one or two police officers, maybe a firefighter, you know, or an engine or something like that. So I kind of want to touch base with the driver, see how the driver's doing, check with the kids, see how they're doing, and then start to, you know, have conversations with, um, you know, the agencies about what we need to get done so that we can, you know, either move a bus on its way or, you know, whatever else we have to do. If we have to take care of, you know, students that have to go to the hospital or drivers got to go to the hospital, um, you know, again, like one of the things that was, was said to me was, um, and a very interesting kind of thing when we're when we're talking about a drill, you know, um, I almost never see DPS as the first responders. Um, yeah, yeah, it'd be you know. city. Uh, so city, unless it's unless it's on the highway, and then it's probably one of the tan shirt guys, not the blue, you know, the blue yeah, shirt, yeah. shirt guys. So I, you know, I walking up to my uh, to my students who are kind of spread out there, um, you know, being evaluated. Um, you know, DPS, the first, you know, question or the first thing he says to me is, you know, they want a seating chart. And, like, you know, only DPS talks like that, right? Um, but then I go check with the with the driver who's also, you know, speaking with another DPS officer. Um, and the conversation there is, oh, I already gave the DPS officer my seating chart. So, you know, there's in the midst of, of an emergency there's there's kind of a disconnect of, of information and i think they're kind of you know catch up afterwards um but you know kind of that first priority is you know is everybody okay you know um luckily depending on how you want to look at it I, i've shown up to a number of accident scenes um a lot of times it's an empty bus you know versus uh another vehicles and you know you got to check and see if the other people are okay. Sure. You know, um, and this particular drill, um, they were already dead. Well, I, yeah, I didn't see them. <laughs> I, I didn't have a chance to, to interact with whoever it was. So, um, cause they were th- dead. That was kind of one of those things, you know, you can well, they interact. were covered by a sheet, so you wouldn't see them anyway. Yeah, sure. So, um, what, wait, what were you going to say? You were going to say something right before you interrupted I, you. Uh, um, before you interrupted me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, it's a conversation. It's it, a podcast. It is. A, yeah, well, it's a podcast. All right. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> I, you know, and, and that's kind of one of those, one of those things that you show up and you, you know, the first thing is to check, you know, one, don't endanger yourself. Right. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, but then see um, what kind of assistance that there is, you know, and then sometimes it's just about getting out of the way. And sometimes it's about, you know making sure that somebody doesn't wander off because they've got, you know, some yeah, kind of... being an extra you know. district representative instead of it being the bus drivers. Like, we almost have, like, two levels of command change, right? Kind of like you said already, the bus driver is the command mm-hmm. person when it happens until they... But then it's like once fire or police take over the scene, right. but then there's still a... Like, there's almost a secondary level of it happening from the district level, right? You become in, and then maybe, I don't know, maybe your assistant superintendent shows up, mm-hmm. and then they take over from 
and just start triaging the, the the different things that are going on. I think that, you know, most of the time when I responded, it's been some, it typically, yes, assess the scene, making sure that it's safe to, you know, to go to. I've thankfully never had to go to something that was super severe, mm-hmm. but normally when I get there, I'm always checking on the driver first. You okay? Mm-hmm. You know, make sure that they're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Then double check, make sure all the students are good. You know, typically the fire guys are checking them out. Mm-hmm. Then I start writing a list of names down, trying to help with the the seating chart, make sure that's good. And, you know, because we know that bus drivers always keep a real seating chart on the bus, <laughs> right? So, and, and, and honestly, you know, <coughs> when, you, when you fill out that accident report that goes to DPS, they don't want the exact seat. Yeah, they just you want know, the list of the, names. Of kids they want a list of the names and, 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 you know, were they in the front of the bus? Were they in the, you know, front? Which I feel like used to be like tribal knowledge. I feel like the tribal knowledge was you have to have an accurate seating chart. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. At least I interrupt you. It's brief. Just saying. Wow. <laughs> go, ahead. Go, ahead. go ahead, Patrick. I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and be quiet. No. <laughs> Chad, you can finish. Patrick, you were yeah. saying? Yeah. But, I, you know, the, the truth of the matter is that, um, you know, there isn't necessarily a seating chart. And you get one student extra on a day. You know, you got to add a name. You got to take them off, things like that. You can have, like, a the attendance list that's on the bus. But, you know, it's it's going to be 97% accurate, you know, um, because you don't have all the students who are assigned. You don't have that kindergartner who just started yesterday. Yep. It might not be on the list or, you know, even a fifth grader, you know, somebody who wants to ride home with a – with their buddy or something, um, you, you know, which is kind of one of those things that we've really uh, changed processes in our district, um, mostly because of, uh, well, it started with COVID, but then kind of, you know, really strictly reading the ADE finance uh, rules. You know, if you're not taking a student to their home, they're not considered an eligible student. We shouldn't be counting them. So if we're not counting them, we shouldn't be transporting them, right? Yeah. So, um I mean that's all finance rules, and and you you know having done this, um, yes, you know the whole hundred day count and everything, and and who who wants to try to figure out which ineligible students you're transporting? What right? is and what isn't? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but you know having a a fairly accurate seating chart that you can add a few students' names to, or scratch off the ones who weren't there that day, kind of thing. Um, you know that that's a little closer. Having everybody scan on and off is a lot more accurate. But you know, it's kind of somewhere in between. You know, um, my my most recent um, probably processes, if you will, are you know get the names as close as I can, and then we go pull their names out of the the system because the police department wants their birth dates and everything which is not something that's included on a student list even though that's what they're asking us for um you know they want to include them in their report or it needs yeah. to be included in the report so they they kind of ask for one thing but really want something else so that's so i feel like police should almost be educated somehow on like what's required right yeah because like a lot of times like even when a bus is involved in a in a collision with another vehicle Especially if it's on private property, like they'll just come out. At least in Phoenix, they'll mm-hmm. only come out and write like a, basically just do a reference. They mm-hmm. they don't cite anybody. They don't. Mm-hmm. It's just basically like a a report. Mm-hmm. So, kind of interesting. You know, just interesting when you think about like how that all works. Mm-hmm. 
That's another page I need to add to my incident reports. Yeah. My information Police. Sheets. Yeah. Brought to you by Amazon Information Sheets. <laughs> Chad's. <laughs> oh, Chad's. Incident Perfect. Information okay. Sheets. Sorry. The Chad's. Available on Amazon, <laughs> Walgreens, and your local yes. Kmart. Are there any local Kmarts anymore? I don't think so. I think they're all gone. Yeah. Maybe in that Beaver, would... Oklahoma. There's no Kmart. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> they just got a Dollar General two years ago. And it was like at the Taj Mahal. Wow. That's small. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Chad, you got any kind of just thoughts on what you saw? And, I mean, I know that, you know, we talked a lot about the, the fire end of things, but just kind of overall as a whole. Um, I mean, really, I don't know. It, it was pretty informative. The thing I got out of it, I got – more out of it the next day talking to the firefighters you know the one thing that got out that really hit me was yes we want to come to your district and you've touched on on the propane mm-hmm. we want to come to your district we want to lay our hands on the buses we want to know what we're getting involved in before we get there know where the the shutoff switches are at for fuel or electric or whatever so uh, i think every district should reach out to you know their local fire department and, and request they come over and do this and majority of them probably won't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's surprising that there's not more involvement with the school districts and the local fire departments or police departments, you know, EMTs, you know, whatever. It's it's actually surprising that that's and, – and maybe because it's taken for granted because school buses are so safe mm-hmm. and there's not that many incidents. Mm-hmm. If you do get an accident, it's – Typically not the kids that are injured, you mm-hmm. know, other than, you know, little Jimmy fell down and sprained his wrist or, you mm-hmm. know, broke a finger or something. So that may be why that that people don't really take that serious or take the time to, to involve their local mm-hmm. you know, departments to come in and, and drill or learn or participate just, just, or just to lay their hands on the bus. Right. And I think with electric coming, it's a, it's not an option. Right. It needs to be well, Especially option. now. I mean, you just showed me that video of a sp- what kind of batteries? NM- Nickel, magnesium, cobalt. Yeah, so NMC batteries. Sounds to me this was in Asia yeah. somewhere. Absolutely should not be on a school bus. But it, so the video like city buses? I don't know. Yeah, it was a city bus, but it was running the nickel, magnesium, cobalt, and it's a security camera, and it shows the buses parked there, and you see one of them start to smoke. And literally within seconds, mm-hmm. it was completely engulfed yeah. in flames. Yeah. And then within a minute, less than a minute later, the next one to it's, you know, on fire. Mm-hmm. And that comes down to nickel magnesium being combustible. Mm-hmm. It's a combustible material. You know, not everyone uses that. You know, I know our buses, we don't use that. And the type of chemistry we use is not combustible. Mm-hmm. So the unfortunate thing is, again, I am so vocal about this because I have a kid that rides a bus and he probably will be to the point where he won't ever be on one with either type of battery in it because of his age. But um, it, especially once you see that video or even any other videos with that type of chemistry in it, shouldn't be allowed on a bus, school bus, a city bus, a school it was bus. Immediate. It was, it wild. wasn't, it wasn't like, Oh, Hey kids, I smell you smoke. You have time to evacuate. It, There's no... no one's getting off. So uh, you know that, that kind of brings me to this uh, this other bigger picture. It's a you know kind of a regulatory kind of thing, and, and I don't know how other states have addressed it, but um, I know some of the manufacturers want to have you know different colored bumpers, 
So first responders, when they pull up to a vehicle, they know what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got agencies who, you know, want only a black bumper, and that's all there is to it. And um, we've, we've talked about with DPS about different color of identification for yeah. buses as well. So yeah. that's something that we, we have talked about. I think DPS that's about. something that when the Student Transportation Advisory Council gets seated could definitely bring up. what Basically what we were, what I've been told is that any any like proposed changes or things that like really need to happen or that you know good suggestions of whatever really should be funneled through the advisory council mm-hmm. so which doesn't currently sit correct any- it doesn't um we're trying to work on some things kind of behind the scenes to see if we might be able to maybe light a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully th- we'll see some positive movement here soon. I just got actually reapplied. I sent my application in for a seat and then I just got an email back basically saying like, there's n- been no movement. Like, duh. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you for your uh, candor and we'll <laughs> hopefully get, see, see something, um, you know, more, beneficial but i i agree i think that you know just like we were i was uh i hosted a a school bus fleet uh or school fleet mechanic summit uh at the end of june for school mechanics to really focus on how to have a safer shop right safer just more osha related type stuff but we talked about hazardous communication and when you talk about has like the placards that call things out as far as like this is you know this is flammable or this is you know poison or whatever that to me makes a lot of sense to have you know potentially a blue bumper i mm-hmm. think you know blue goes with like unleaded and you know maybe different color bumpers that signify or just you know some sort of signage just signage on the back or right up next to the you know just a sticker somewhere that says this i think is the manufacturers or, uh, have been uh kind of leaning towards uh blue for you know the batteries mm-hmm. the the evs uh, and and green for you know either propane CNG or, or propane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I I mean I think you're onto something there. I think there's a lot of things that just need to be um, updated, you know, pretty desperately. But we'll get there. Well, let's all three of us get on the let's advisory board and we can set all. Put the your rules. application in. I mean, they they basically said they're still accepting applications, and I know it was open last year. So. Well, I I did apply as well, but. Uh, I would say reapply. Reapply. Yes. But uh yeah, I don't I, want to be I, on it. I don't know. That's fine. I I'm, I'm sure they don't want me on it. <laughs> okay. I was trying to find I was trying to find that that link and for some reason now I just literally just watched it a few Probably minutes ago. Probably fake news. Oh yeah, it's fake news, Jason. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. We're past an hour and I'm sure uh it's almost dinner time, so Patrick, thank you for being here. Uh, Chad, if you find it, that's great. Maybe you can read it later. But, well, I don't need to. I wasn't going to read it online. Uh, I was okay. going to share the the link to people, so I can just share it to you, and you can post it. Wonderful, on. add the link. Absolutely. Jesus, man, it's so <laughs> difficult. I don't understand why you have to be that way. I don't know either. So, again, uh, we're here for one more day, and then we will um, be headed back to school. Patrick, when school start? August 9th, 9th. Uh, but our freshmen start on the 5th. They go in oh, almost one, there. one day early for about a half a day. It's kind Got of a, like uh, a half-day orientation. 
Got it. And, and we transport the, for that. The so. whole East Valley started yesterday. Uh, so I saw that. They're they're rocking and rolling already. So uh, good luck to them. I hope they have a good rest of the week. And I hope they have air conditioning on their buses <laughs> yes. and their schools. Yes, I've already heard of a couple uh, breakdowns. So yeah, yikes! And a couple uh, sound like some some heat heat stroke type things or heat exhaustion. So really, yeah, not not good. But it's hot. I mean, what do you expect when you're starting school in the middle of July? I don't. I, maybe people will rethink that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, again, for tuning in. This will probably wrap up uh, the bus evacuation stuff. If you guys have questions, you always can feel free to email us or reach out, and we'll, you know, share what we can. Um, but until then. I'd like to thank our sponsors, all our sponsors <laughs> today for yes, all their support. All of our fake sponsors. <laughs> I appreciate it. So thank you, guys. Uh, be safe in your school year startups, and we'll talk to you soon. Adios. See you. Bye. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off.